Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester CXCast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host Sam Stern. You'll hear our voice each week. Hello and welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I am your co-host Diana Laufer, and I am here today uh, with my co-host Sam Stern. Hello. And our special guest, uh, principal analyst from the infrastructure and operations team here at Forrester, David Johnson. Good morning. Welcome. Um, David and Sam just co-wrote a report um, called "Use Customer Experience Insights to Unshackle Employee Potential." Uh, so I have some questions for you guys about that uh, new, very hot report. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll start with you, David, since you're you're coming from our INO team, talking to our our CX audience. Um, tell me, within sort of INO departments and IT departments in general, um, is there a lot of awareness about customer experience and what's going on in an organization around customer experience? That is a terrific question. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I think one of the reasons why it's called infrastructure and operations is it really points to internal things. And so INO people are really thinking about the internal workings of uh, the applications and uh, the physical infrastructure and the data centers and so on, and people's computers. But they're not, uh, they're not typically thinking day to day about how customers of your company want to do business with you. And, uh, and that's something that uh, they need more awareness of, and that's what we're trying to do is help I know people become more aware. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about what they are focused on? You know, what are the typical sort of uh, duties of, a, of someone within sort of the INO or sort of IT in, in general? They typically are focused on saving costs, saving money. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a huge one, cut down the cost of, of, of IT, improving operations, get more efficient. Uh, but mainly compliance. So um, compliance is the biggest thing. Compliance with various standards for uh, um, audits and uh, also security, making sure that nothing is uh, <clears throat> is getting in and making sure that everything is up and running. So, Yeah, f- coming to this from my very customer experience-centric view of the world, it was, um, it was eye-opening. I-, I wasn't a total surprise, but it was still eye-opening to, ha- to sit in on these interviews with, with David and some of the... Um, the INO professionals we were talking to and just hear what their days consisted of and their weeks consisted of. And it was just, as David said, you know, mostly compliance questions and efficiency and, um, you know, getting operations to run more smoothly and, and saving costs. And that's, those are worthy goals, but it was so disconnected in most of these conversations from how this would enable or not their, their colleagues, the, the frontline employees to deliver the right experiences. It was, um, it, it made it clear to me why we see so many ecosystem challenges, I guess I would say, at some of these companies that we are, are talking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And I think just adding on one more part of that, when I work with I know people, which I do all the time, you know, 75 every quarter at least uh, that I talk to on the phone just through inquiry, all of them want to be more customer-focused. Right? Yeah. Nobody in I know goes to work and says, boy, I, I don't really want to do anything for customers today. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that they just don't have visibility, and uh, nobody's sharing that with them. Nobody's communicating with them what's important or how customers want to do business with a company and, and how their work connects to that. And that's really what's missing is that connection. And I would say critically to underline something you already said, Dave, um, they do, I, you're right, they do want to do that. They would be 
in conflict with their goals and what they've been told the priorities of the organization are if they focused on that primarily. Exactly. And that's one of the big, big challenges we saw. Okay. So if, if the existing IT frameworks today aren't connected to, to customer experience, what are they really about and are they helping or hurting workforce enablement efforts? Another good question. Uh, the common frameworks that are in use for operations, I think it's something like 55% of all companies, more than 10,000 people use ITIL, uh, IT Infrastructure Library, is their operational guidance. And um, 43%, I think, use COBIT, which is a compliance framework. ITIL has 26 processes. Uh, COBIT has 20, 209 control objectives, right? This <laughs> is a lot wow. of stuff that you're asking people to do. That's a lot of priorities, it's a lot of things. And what you're also telling them is, oh, by the way, if you're not compliant with these, compliant with these standards, you may not be working here next year, right? right. Or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. so you have everybody hyper-focused on just following the rules and just following the processes. And it's very difficult then for them to open, <clears throat> open their thinking to whether or not each one of those things has to be adhered to 100% or what it means to maybe uh, you know, follow a process but also follow the process in a way that, uh, that you're more customer aware when you do, you know, those, that, that sort of thinking. So very difficult for them to do that when they can't even get through uh, full compliance with uh, the processes and standards that they've already been given to follow. Yeah, I think that's right. And the, the standards, I mean, my very, very rudimentary understanding of them, they're not speaking to workforce enablement processes necessarily, or um, the, the COVID framework doesn't have, um, you know, items that you want to look at to make sure that the, the devices work in a way that allows your colleagues to deliver the right experience. So it's just, it's done in a way that didn't, you know, it's, it's when we talk about Lean Six Sigma being very internally focused, there's a similar uh, myopic internal focus here that, that I think is, is it makes it a real challenge for them to, to think about workforce enablement and think about how workforce enablement would enable their colleagues to deliver good experiences. And the concept of the customer becomes abstract. In yes. That way, right? Becomes abstract. Yes. And so, so <laughs> it's hard to really uh, prioritize what that means. But also, ITIL, in, when most companies follow it, most of them focus on incident problem and change. And these are very reactive processes, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that we do something when somebody tells us to or when we get a ticket or, you know, in response to a problem or in response to an issue that crops up. Mm -hmm. That's reactive. That's not really thinking ahead. That's just responding to what is. And thinking ahead... And, uh, and doing the kind of planning that's necessary to build capabilities that will help employees better serve customers is also something that's very difficult for them to do. Yeah. So given that there's not a lot of flexibility in some of these frameworks that are governing the way that IT departments work today, how can, um, how can they support their colleagues to deliver better customer experiences within the organization? Well, the starting point is, first of all, understanding understanding what the customer experience looks like for the company that they work for today mm -hmm. and connecting with, uh, with what those things are uh, and, and what, how, how people want to do business with you. And there's a number of exercises and ways that you can help uh, orient INO pros toward that way and helping them coordinate their efforts better toward, uh, toward customer outcomes and then build up over time more and more sophisticated capabilities in which the customer awareness and the, and the awareness of the constant change that's happening outside is just a normal part of operations in the way that you work. You're constantly aware of that. And you're constantly able to adjust operations and, and priorities according to those changes. And you have a much more agile environment that way. Yeah, we saw um, uh, there were some companies where explicitly they were inviting these INO uh, professionals to customer journey mapping efforts and getting their input and in particular helping having them in the room 
for um, looking at some of the root cause analysis and, and finding pain points deep in the customer experience ecosystem, and then being there to sort of suggest solutions. Put INO, um, you know, often in, in a CX conversation, we'll joke, oh, well, how can we do this without IT's help? Well, not, not very well, as it turns out, is how you can do it without <laughs> IT's help. And so if you have them in the room, if you have them involved in the process, and if you get them in a place where they feel like they're part of generating solutions here, you're going to get much better outcomes. And that's where we saw companies bringing them in. They, they got their understanding from the INO uh, professional, but they also gave them understanding about how this was manifesting for the customer. And so things like um, mapping workforce enablement activities to customer experience drivers was another one where we're saying, we, we need this technology because it enables our frontline employees to be clearer in their communications to customers. That's why. And when you give that kind of guidance, a lot of times the INO professionals could step up and figure out how to enable things like that. There was one great example, uh, Dave, that I loved and that we heard from, from a conversation where they just explained to the INO team what they were going for in the experience, and the INO team took it on themselves to redesign the IVR to cut down the number of um, prompts that you'd have to go through because they knew that they wanted to get them to an outcome faster. And so rather than saying, well, how are we going to save money or, or, you know, reduce the cost of using the system? They said, how are we going to make this better for the customer? They did that on their own, really without much prompting. They just knew what the overall mission was in the intended experience. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Uh, I think INO is is not always seen as a resource of, of ideas, right, and creativity for solving problems and for, uh, right. for making the customer experience better. And if we don't communicate with, with INO people, what's important to our customer experience and what that really looks like. Uh, and what we really want to get to as an organization for customer experience, it's very hard for INO pros to think about what to prioritize. So if you can connect them with that through those kinds of exercises, huge benefit because they will help you come up with solutions. And uh, also, it also means up-leveling INO as well, right? You've got to help INO pros get better. It's coaching, right? It's getting yep. better at what they do, responding better, recognizing their biases, one of the aspects of the psychology, which was a heavy part of this research that we did was, was organizational psychology and neuroscience, is that people that have very technical jobs, empathy is not part of, of, uh, <laughs> is not part of, uh, of their normal way of thinking, right? Yeah, they're, probably they're not, not the reason they were hired exactly. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> right. it's, it's, they're, they're at opposite ends on the psychological spectrum, right? Yeah. It's, uh, they can develop it, absolutely, but it's not a default. And so developing that kind of empathy and developing the individuals in INO to be more customer aware and exhibit a lot more of the behaviors that you're looking for is really what this report's about. Yeah, so a lot of people have the capability in them, but until you bring them in um, and give them an opportunity to, right. to execute, then they're not going to necessarily because it's just not on their, mm -hmm. not on their plate. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, one other thing that you write about uh, in this report are uh, these seven kata. Uh, this is <laughs> a uh, term I was unfamiliar <laughs> with. Maybe you could uh, explain what that means, where that comes from. <laughs> Happy to. And I think you start by pronouncing it correctly, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. The term is kata. Okay. And it comes from the martial arts. And uh, it comes from Japanese business. It comes from uh, companies like Toyota who think about uh, things in, in, in this way. So... Anybody that goes to Mike, Mike Rother wrote a book called Toyota Kata, which is one of the inspirations you know, behind uh, some of this research in continuous improvement. And he's one of the world's experts in continuous improvement, has been studying companies like Toyota for a long time. And uh, what happens you know, when you look at a company like Toyota from the outside or any company that's very successful with customer experience, Southwest Airlines and others, the tendency is to look at what they do and try and duplicate what they do and completely miss the why and how they arrived at that. And that really is what it's, what it's about, is what are, the ha what are the behaviors and thought patterns and habits that these companies have 
that help them continue to arrive at the right answers all the time and continue to adapt and develop people all the time. And kata is, a, like I said, from the martial arts karate, it is a series of moves, right? And if you, if you put the right moves together, you achieve the next level of a belt or you win uh, the world championship, right? Things like that. Mm -hmm. And so the better you are at kata in an organization, there's a great analogy, the better you are at these kinds of moves and behaviors uh, and the better you practice these things and the more you practice these things, the more competitive you will be as an organization and the more you will be able to survive challenges and battles when they come. And that's what companies like Toyota and Southwest Airlines do really well. They have kata. And I, what, and it was a new term to me when I started working on the research with Dave, I have to admit. And, um, but as, as we started to go through and he laid out, um, you know, the, the analogy to something like karate where there is this progression towards mastery and how the kata with, with, in terms of workforce enablement um, could be in a similar progression where you were, you were starting to fix essentials, right, so that, you know, laptops worked and, and you know, you had the right information in front of you. But moving up towards a, a really a sustained differentiation based on um, following these seven kata that, that are laid out in the report. I, it, really, it really struck me. I was sort of coming to this to give a little bit of CX knowledge to, to the report, but it struck me I, that this was a way of working that I, I felt like would, make INO, would elevate INO professionals in a way that would put them, really position them to help their colleagues straight through to the customer along the customer experience ecosystem to deliver the right experiences. And in a way that um, wasn't going to completely eliminate compliance that, that was necessary, um, being efficient, reducing costs, all these things would still be there, but just now oriented in a way towards how you can do those things without degrading or you know, making it almost impossible to deliver the right experience. Mm -hmm. Another point to add on to that, Sam, is you start doing things like journey mapping or you start doing things mm -hmm. like uh, workforce technology assessment, you have a much better idea of what's important. And yeah. so you can prioritize what's important, and then you understand where you can cut costs just inherently. That's so right. Actually, the costs go down the yeah. more this you do, which is which is uh, which is ironic. And that's one of the operations of Toyota, for example. They are very lean and very cost effective. And same with Southwest Airlines. You're doing more, but you also are doing it a little bit a lot less. And that's what these cotter are designed to do. Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, we won't give too much more away and uh, <laughs> instead direct readers to check out uh, your report. That report from Sam and David, again, is called Use Customer Experience Insights to Unshackle Employee Potential. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. We enjoyed having you. Thank you. I enjoyed it, too. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at dlaufer at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. <laughs>